Okay, so uh, we're going to talk real quick about two arguments I think will be used a lot on this topic. Um, I think that uh, the first one we'll talk about is Green Paradox. I think this is a really interesting negative argument. Um, I'm not sure... This is like one that I think I'm not sure how true it is necessarily, but like when you think about some things, they just intuitively make sense. Um, and so I think that this will be better in rounds um, where you need to make arguments that just intuitively make sense, which, to be fair, should be every round, but sometimes debaters don't make those choices. Um, so the first question I think that we have to an answer to understand where, we at in where we're at in terms of the green paradox is, is the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. Um, this is a conversation that we've already had in this debate with the, with the climate change lecture, um, and so you all kind of know where we're at. Um, it's not good, I'll say that. Um, we're reaching record amounts of greenhouse gases. Um, uh, the, like greenhouse gases haven't been this high for 3.3 to 5 million years, um, and that was when, like, like the globe was just much warmer. Um, the question I think, and I think this is an important one, is even though because there have been massive strides and reforms made since like the industrial era, why are we still producing so much greenhouse gas? Right? Like why does why do so much still exist in the atmosphere if we have made moves to like limit the amount of greenhouse gases we're emitting? Right? Like those two things don't make sense with each other, right? Um, the other thing that's important about this is pretty much every policy decision that we make pushes us further away from fossil fuels. Um, every one of them, right? Every AF this year will likely push us further away from fossil fuels. Like, actively do that. Did you... That's bad. Um, so this economist named uh, Hans Werner Sinn um came up with this uh theory i'll call it uh called the green paradox um what it is basically is the harder we push for the elimination of fossil fuels as a uh, commodity uh the more fossil fuel industry the industry wants to produce now right they view this as like trying to cash in on the last amounts of fossil fuels that exist which means they'll continue to drill for those things and drill harder than they would have otherwise, which in turn produces more CO2 into the atmosphere. Do y'all see the loop that this is creating? We say fossil fuels need to go away because there's too much CO2 in the atmosphere. They say we should produce more in the short term so we can make up for the profits that we will lose long term, right? and then they produce more CO2, and then we say, oh God, there's so much CO2 in the atmosphere, we really need to stop producing fossil fuels, or consuming fossil fuels. Does that make sense? I think that what this, this is a linear argument, right? Which is the biggest problem with it, I think. Um, it's the biggest problem and also not because I think it makes it way more simple to understand for a lot of judges in terms of case offense. Um, literally, you're just saying the more that you try to push us away from fossil fuels or more towards clean energy, the more um, fossil fuel industry pollutes, right? That's the very simple argument you're making. Um, what this does is it accelerates our trajectory towards climate change. That is a, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but that is a more difficult... I think that it is a more difficult impact to quantify um, how they make f how they make climate change worse, right? 
Like, because if you're, if you're the sole reason climate change is being generated, it's easy to make an argument about climate change. If you're making the argument that your acceleration of climate change is bad because it's just all linear, like we're going to get to climate change eventually, right? But like you're making it 10 years earlier. Why is it so much worse in those 10 years? Does anybody have any questions about how they're going to be? Yeah. So considering that the impact is linear, you think that even though it's technically is offense, it might end up playing out more like a sovereignty press? No, I, I just think that this is linear. I think that this is like just linear offense. Like I don't I don't think that it I don't think that it necessarily implicates solvency even because it doesn't the AF the, it's contingent upon the AF solving, right? I guess you could maybe make signaling arguments, but like I think that it's actually probably contingent upon the AF solving. I also think it kind of functions as an internal link turn to their advantage. Depend yeah, depending on what the advantage is for sure. Okay, but does it make sense to everybody? Core concept? Okay, I think that's that's why I say I think this is a good argument because it's intuitively easy to understand and it just like makes sense to you, right? Like if there's a lot of case turns and stuff that don't make sense to you because they're about specific technology or they're like impact turns that you're like not comfortable going for, then I can understand that, right? This is not one of those arguments. I think this argument is intuitively easy to understand and also just like feels true, right? If you If you were like, Hey man, you have 10 seconds to eat the rest of that hot dog or there will be no hot dog left because we're going to move to a different form of meat. I would eat the whole hot dog regardless of how it made me feel, right? This is almost the exact same analogy. And then I would regret it later, obviously, and that's climate change. Yeah. Yeah, what's up? I don't know. I think that I think that that's the question. Is I don't know that there's no one to burn it. I do. I do think there's people to buy it though, right? So like, so like countries like China and the United States that stockpile massive amounts of oil, like, would be the countries that would buy it. But why is the stockpiling accelerating? Like, why is do what? And look, I, I think that this is probably one of the problems with this this position is that like I think that when you start to question like the real specifics of it, like yeah, but that's just a trade off. So we're actually net we're not producing no more carbon carbon emissions because like we are decreasing it in other areas, even if they increase the amount for production and then stockpile it right, then there's no there's no like actual impact that happens because it's neutral. Um, I, I think that that's probably a problem with it, right? Is that is that when you when you question specifics like that, then it probably doesn't make as much sense. Does that make sense? What I just said, like, so I think that may be a problem with it, and that that's like that's like research that we have to do yet in terms of the amount of carbon that pr the production of a fuel um, creates versus the amount of uh, carbon a uh, like use of the fuel makes. It's my understanding that the production is the larger problem in terms of CO two, in terms of CO two specifically. All right, so let's talk about impacts real quick. 
Uh, why is that bad? Um, I think that a large problem with this, and this is like something that a lot of the literature talks about, and the, the, to be fair, the literature talks about this um, sans a even like a switch from. Um, it's, it talks about this like almost sans an acceleration, like they were already rapidly approaching this destination anyways, um, is massive, massive uh, storms. Um, I think that the same conditions that were present when El Nino happened in the 90s are also present now. Um, and so that is a problem, right? Like, so those types of massive storms that we're already seeing the status quo continue to accelerate. Um, I think that one of the things, or, or an argument that I think goes interestingly enough with this is that... Um, we will not have time to adapt to these types of coastal changes if we allow if we like accelerate climate change to me i think that is a good argument right is that it is a question of adaptation now not a question of um not a question of preventing climate change but a question of adaptation and if we accelerate climate change that adaptation is no longer allowed to happen right and so that's what would generate a collapse like a global global collapse like if we know that if we know that New Orleans is going to be flooded, we can make changes to adapt to those situations or evacuate people. But like if we can't predict when that will happen because climate change is accelerated, then we get, then there's like an impact that it could potentially be global or spillover in terms of violence. I also think that this probably rapidly accelerates deforestation. Um, if production companies are, or, or at least like destruction of the environment in a more unhealthy way, if that makes sense. Um, I think that if production companies are only concerned with uh, like gathering minerals as opposed to, not that they're super concerned with the environment now, obviously, but like imagine a world where they don't care about the environment at all because the only thing that matters is like getting resources. Um, I think that that is probably a worse scenario. Um, the other thing, um, <clears throat> I, I don't, what, I have a question. I just thought about this, and I don't know how it works. How do we think that this, like, criticism operates in the context of a... Or, excuse me, this turn operates in the context of a criticism? Like, cap, right? Like, do you think that you could read cap and green paradox in the same... No? Okay. I, I think there's a possibility because, I mean, you could tie it to the commodification of things. So you could be like, look, there's a capitalist drive to have more resources and stuff. Yeah. Once we dismantle capitalism, there's no need for people to pull resources out and sell them. Like, because you don't make so like your capitalism dismantles the markets. Yeah, I don't see why they wouldn't function within the same way. Because if you're saying like, look, capitalism is this, that's why these problems exist. Mm -hmm. And you also read this as a turn. It just seems like another thing that would happen in the world of capitalism. So like, if you read the green paradox argument as critiquing the way that production happens now then it's true. We can only have a clean, like we can only have like a clean energy transition after we've broken down systems of capital because then those production quotas or whatever don't exist. Right. You could read this as a turn and then read the cap today and it'll solve the turn. So okay. You still don't find it. So even function is a link in some level. Yeah. It's just like this is the blueprint. I have another question about why this would actually happen. <laughs> um, so... <coughs> For sure. There's like a huge number of like uses for this extract fossil fuels that the plan isn't going to eliminate. Mm -hmm. So like, why would there be a rush for them to all like extract it out of the ground? Because they can still extract it and sell it post-plan. 
Yeah. Um, I, I guess that's... Uh, so the question uh, is oil production in terms of creating like fuel that's not the is that not the primary source or primary use i'm asking i don't know i mean i think for oil the primary use is fuel okay so i mean i think i think that would probably be the answer for that would be the first answer but even even if that's like not true i think that like it is a question of i don't know i haven't i haven't read the literature on this actually so like i don't know how to answer that question if i was going to guess i would say that it probably also has to do with um I wonder if there's something that goes along with subsidies, probably. Like, if we clean tr energy transition, there's no reason that oil subsidies would ex wouldn't exist in the future. Or, like, the market isn't as stable or whatever, which means the production, like, you can't produce if the market's not stable enough to produce. And so, like, they would take opportunities where there are economic booms to to make that production happen and then, like, have the oil so it's the oil sell later. That makes sense. But like, that's just a guess, right? Like, I, I don't know that there's like necessarily a reason why this would happen. And that's like a lot of the criticism with it is that oil companies wouldn't do this because they're not like ridiculous. I think that this is just based on a uh, supply side economic theory. That's just like, if we eliminate this or no demand, this, the demand side of things, right? They're like, if we eliminate the demand, then they will generate uh, like other demand, right? Or they'll generate more of a supply. Did you, okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, so, uh, Sin talks about, like, what we should do in this instance, um, and he talks about, like, shifting the way that we think about um, climate change, or the way that we think about uh, CO2 emissions, at least, in terms of uh, shifting it from the uh, demand side of things, like the customer side of things, in terms of providing them a different clean alternative energy, to the supply side of things. So, we should offer tax incentives t for uh, oil and gas companies or production companies like that um, to leave resources in the ground, right? If they have a tax incentive to not harvest or to not uh, drill, then there's a reason, there's a monetary reason for them to leave that stuff in the ground. I think that that's like probably a much too simple solution for this, um, but like that's the solution that he has is that we should shift our focus to uh, the supply side of things as opposed to the demand. Yeah. How would this link to hydroelectric power or wind power? Because those are also supply side policies that don't restrict consumption. That's that's why it would, right? Like his criticism is that we are focusing on the supply side of things, where, or excuse me, the demand side of things, whereas we should be focusing on the supply side in terms of what alternative energy is producing, right? We shouldn't be producing more energy because the like society demands it. We should focus on where things are being supplied from and like focus on the supplier. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the better way to phrase it, right? So like. Instead of offering incentives to generate new types of energy, which people demand, we should focus on the supplier who is harvesting that energy. Also, not an econ major, if you can't tell. Does that make sense, though? Does that answer your question, Alan? Um, I also think that like even even if you like leave the economics of it aside, which I would probably prefer doing in most debates, I think that just making the this is just a trade-off argument, really, right? 
like you're saying the federal government forces a trade-off between clean energy and uh, fossil fuels. Fossil fuels freak out and like drill everything they can out of the ground so that they can try to sell it as quickly as possible before their companies are dissolved or before they're forced to switch to something else, right? Like that's just the simple argument you're making. Make sense? Do you have any questions about it? Keep in mind, I think that you can probably read this on against every AF. Um, I think you could probably do it in two cards. I think that strategically, this is a low investment position that you could potentially win debates on. I don't even know if you, you might not even need two cards to read this, honestly, right? Like you could probably do it like incredibly efficiently. Like this is like the one card DDEV shell where you're just like, uh, economic collapse doesn't cause war, it's the other way, it's the other way around. And then, like, in the two, you're like, surprise, we read DDEV and you didn't realize it. And then you go for it, right? I think that, like, you could strategically make this argument very small. No questions? Okay. Let's talk about hedge. The best argument in debate. Do you want to do two separate or do you just want to do this together? It, don't, it doesn't matter to me. <clears throat> Okay. Um, so, important question on hedge. How are we doing now? Um, not great is the answer, it turns out. Um, I was under the impression that the United States had, like, a pretty decent green tech advantage. Um, that is pretty not true um, for a number of reasons. One, uh, uh, let's start at the top, actually. So, um, I think that it's important to remember, and this is, like, something that Dustin talked about multiple uh, yesterday, is that, like, the the our literal economy is based on energy and the production of energy right that's why when we talk about like green leadership it's uniquely important for us to be in charge of that right um controlling the global production of energy is is central to a country's power and their ability to compete uh both economically and militarily um the trump administration obviously cut sh shocker cut back on renewables um and also epa protections which means um, it is just much easier to do dirty forms of energy now, like fossil fuels. Um, those are allowed to be like more re-entrenched in the status quo with him, um, and that that likely erodes our green leadership or any potential we had for green leadership. Um, I think that one of the most important things in terms of the way that we fight wars in the future uh, will be to economic and technological. Um, we have to kind of maintain maintain an advantage on both in order to maintain hegemony. Um, the last point here I think is important because it provides a distinction, or not a distinction, but it provides a um, contrast between what kind of money we're spending. China invested $287.5 billion into clean energy last year, I believe, and the U.S. spent $58.6 billion. So they're spending f four times, five times as much as us in terms of the amount, obviously not a math major either, uh, four or five times as much, of a, as, much as we are um, in terms of clean energy tech. Um, obviously that doesn't necessarily, I don't think that includes like private sector innovation for us. The flip, the point is, is that other countries understand how important this is and how important it is to their, uh, economic and military prowess. Um, I think that this debate is, this, this debate is two things that matter. Um, the first is economic sustainability. Um, what's the arguably like the most important thing for any military? The ability to pay for it. Um, in terms of economic sustainability, I think that green tech provides or like the control of, if you control the global energy market, 
you likely control the ability for countries to make money, the ability for countries to produce goods, right? Which means that you have to have that now. Uh, I think that a really good argument for this debate is that hegemony is unsustainable under a fossil fuel economy or a fossil fuel energy production system because we will those things are always finite. There are issues with supply. Um, there are issues with uh, supply lines, right? All of those things are uniquely not sustainable, right? Green tech gives us a, an, an advantage over other countries economically because we are allowed to produce the energy we need to run military operations, to run production operations, and we control the way that they invest in their own production, right? If we decide that a country doesn't need to produce anything anymore, we can hit their um, environment, their, their, uh, energy production and also withhold energy from them right it also guarantees like this type of energy independence guarantees that economically we can continue to produce goods and also to be able to uh guarantee energy independence right if we have the ability to move and another country does not then we will have the advantage Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that that is a super good argument. Um, I think that it, it could potentially be massive. I I think it depends on how far you want to go. I think that it depends on how far you want to go down that way, probably, um, because, yeah, I mean, climate change probably changes the way the energy production happens. In, obviously, in totality, um, and maybe for the worse, like in terms of the polar or the ice caps and, and drilling there and stuff like that um but i think that you could make the argument that it would like having clean tech would make guarantees that we don't need we we can access those places maybe or like we're fine during the transition like i think fossil fuels exist post climate change because of areas like the arctic to get opened up for drilling but like i think in the interim like the chaos that happens in the interim like maybe clean energy is able to stabilize that it also, I think it also depends on the AF. Um, if I assume that in this instance, like if you're reading this argument, that the AF is like green tech for the military, and then that's just the AF, right? Um, I think in that instance, that that argument is uniquely true. I think that to be fair, I think that this argument is more difficult to get um, unless your AF is just green tech for the military, and then you just read a hedge advantage. Um, because I don't think a lot. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of stuff that spills over. But if I'm if I'm if I remember correctly, when there was the high school topic, a lot of this went the other direction. So like the military is the testing ground for green tech for the private sector. All right. And the most important part of hegemony is military sustainability. I think apps that upgrade unique specific parts of the military are probably going to be incredibly competitive apps this year in terms of reading hegemony. Those things are good because you can create a small enough advantage that it doesn't link to hedge bad or like clearly link to hedge bad, but you get to read hedge good in some manner against it. Um, I think the specifically, uh, if you like a little bit broader, AFs this AFs that try to transition things like the Navy to sustainable energy um, are able to be real good. Uh, like Dustin just talked about, like in a world where climate change happens, 
there's a lot more there's a lot more ocean maybe uh that we need to be able to be in right uh that's like that's the 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 silliest way to put it but kind of true right like if we have to patrol the arctic because it's like a much larger space now um then like we would have we would need the ability to do so efficiently and effectively um and so the navy is the only part that's actually critical to that um i also think that in terms of global power projection, the Navy is what actually gives us global power projection. Um, if you think about the places in the world where the Navy is stationed, um, those things are, like, it is the reason that the world thinks that we are in any way strong, right? And that's been the case for, since the Spanish-American War. Um... <clears throat> The other, part, the other part about military sustainability and green energy that I think is uniquely uh, good and true is that uh, it is important for on-ground operations, especially in areas where supplies potentially are limited. Because this energy is renewable, I think that it allows for uh, supply lines to matter substantially less in terms of the military, uh, like, in terms of the military, oper in terms of military operations, which means that they can, like operate in areas where there's like lack of supplies so when you think about what's the is it the Korval Valley in Afghanistan where like it's like super isolated it's like areas where like um the Taliban like had set up like massive resistance but we can't access those areas because supply lines are so sketchy going in right the argument is is that we can access those areas in a world of alternative energy because we don't need the supply lines are substantially less important right they're less susceptible to attack because they happen less frequently, which means the military operation is like more economically viable, right? And that's how we make military decisions now. We make them based on the amount of money it will cost us, not on whether or not it needs to actually happen. Uh, the last part, and I think this is probably the only th one of, again, the only thing that matters in terms of hegemony, in terms of like how we project our power globally, but economic power and energy, um, this is also true with the economic sustainability, allows us to maintain basing. Basing is probably the only thing that actually matters in terms of hegemony because we have to be able to project our power globally. If we have a monopoly on clean energy and we leverage that to maintain basing in other countries, it guarantees that those bases continue to exist and we continue to have a, a global monopoly on hegemony. Another thing that I thought might be interesting is that renewable energy allows us to stay off of local grids, um, which I don't think that we're on local grids in like a traditional way, but like we still probably access them to some point. Um, if bases like that's so that would be energy is like the weak point for most bases if there was like a war or something, right? Like you would target the energy for a base, shut it down to confuse whoever's there, and then you attack, right? If our energy is all local on base, then we're never at risk of losing energy. Does that make sense? Okay. I think that in terms of, generally speaking, in terms of hegemony, I think that you do yourself a disservice if you read a hedge author that you've heard of before. Um, that is because I think, in terms of the impacts, that is because I think you should not give the negative team easy outs in debates, or the after you, doesn't matter, right? Um, if you're reading a hedge scenario about the Navy, do not let them read traditional hedge bad authors against you, right? Because it's not the same thing. The best debaters that I've ever seen doing policy are debaters who had the most hyper-specific hedge scenarios and just actually 
like maybe this is just an ethos move, but it was the most compelling thing I've ever heard. Laughed at the ten, like the six minutes of impact turns a team went for, and we're like, these don't matter. This is not us, right? They did not answer these arguments line by line. They didn't have to, right? Because at the end of debate, you at the end of the debate, you just believed that it wasn't what the AF was about, right? I think that these scenarios will provide you really good offense, really strong offense on this topic. Um, and are really great impact turns. I don't know if they're really great impact turns, actually, uh, but they are effective impact turns against any criticism. Um, and that's something that I don't think enough people do in LD, um, is to understand that hegemony is uh, the opposite of every criticism, <laughs> almost, right? And so, like, when you when someone reads a critic, when you read a hedge app and someone reads a criticism, you should be like, Hedge is a dissed to your, your, your criticism, right? We don't need to read impact turns. We already read six minutes of them, right? And then answer the alternative, right? Does that make sense? Well, I, you should read framing arguments, but we'll talk about framing arguments sometime in the future, maybe. Okay, does anybody have any questions about military hegemony or green hegemony? I think this is probably pretty straightforward. I do think apps about the Navy are going to be really dope on this topic. I hope that we cut one. Not this camp, but I hope that someone in this room does sometime. Because I'll vote for it. I don't know if I'll vote for it. I'll give you a 30. I have it on tape. You'll vote for it. So. I, no, I said no. I said I was just kidding. There's no... I stopped it before. Don't check the tapes. <laughs> All right. No questions? Okay. I'm done. Did you have anything you wanted to add about the Green Paradox, though? 